Welcome to another edition of Your Impact Attack. That's right, it's Your Impact Attack. Still yours. We're just borrowing it. Who is we? I'm Jamie Levet Williams. The Vets. He's a Rip Rogers guy. The Vet. Vet, Vet, Vet. Rip, Rip, Rip Rogers guy. And with me, as always, my tag team partner, Brandon. Here comes the tag. Boom! Oh, the crowd goes wild. What's up, Brandon? What is up? Not much. Another edition of Impact in the Books, but... What is going on in the wrestling world today? Man, wrestling world today. You know, everybody's talking about this uh, backlash um, that took place in Puerto Rico. Um, Did you happen to catch any of this or any clips or any uh, stuff or news or people like Mark Henry saying Zelina Vega should have won the title or anything? anything? Catch up Uh, with any of this? Nah, I didn't. I, I did read. The only thing I read is that it was a great show. The fans there had a great time. And that's really, at the end of the day, it's all that matters. The people who watched it enjoyed it. And yeah, they did a great job. That is uh, the most important thing. I think the crowd was the star of the show. The crowd was a 10 out of 10. The, uh, the WWE actually knowing how to work with that crowd and taking the full advantage of it, probably about a five out of 10 because you could see that. uh, So this is something interesting that, um, you know, you hear about uh, when you talk about uh, wrestling uh, over the years and, and parts of the globe that, uh, you know, there's different styles. We say, Oh, this is, we don't want to work this style. Right. So, What that usually means is the different areas of the world expect and enjoy different things to different degrees. So Puerto Rico's always been, you know, a blood and guts kick punch territory, right? And the crowd really gets into like the 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 fighting and and the violence that can erupt in wrestling, right? So even during the whole backlash thing. Every time somebody gets like punched, you know, or something, or like a big, a big punch or kick or some big strike thing, you can hear the crowd, you know, go, wow, you know, like, like literally they all go, wow, every time somebody gets hit and you could see like that the wrestlers didn't really know how to like capitalize on the rhythm of that. You know, you, you do like the, you know, like Rip would always talk talk about the rhythm uh rip rogers would talk about the rhythm of a comeback say so like when a baby face is making that comeback it's supposed to be that one two three oh and four so that could be like three bumps three bumps and then like a back body drop it could be like three punches and like a huge punch it could be whatever it is but there's a certain rhythm to it and Puerto Rico really tells you what the rhythm is, and they act it out, too. So you could see people, like, you could see the, the crowd doing their part, and WWE is not giving them that rhythm. 
It'll just be like, you know, wah-wah and then a cutoff or, you know, they'll never let things get going and stuff. So it, it just, you know, more of the pre-planned bullshit and not really knowing how to work was something that I really noticed um, watching that. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get uh, too far into the, uh, into the backlash talk, um, while you're munching down, I'll go and take a look at the uh, live chat i'll do this i'll do this role reversal for a change um we got uh you know we got buckshot kid with the first comment and then who do we have with the actual first comment um, it actually no it, no it actually was buckshot kid 9 19 a.m good morning all yeah and i told him i told him this morning that that doesn't count you got to be the you got to have the first comment when the when the show goes live so uh who 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 had that did he make it <laughs> see that uh, that is actually tough i'm not really sure when i actually hit the live button that might have been it could have been anyone from lab rat to buckshot yeah either lab rat or buckshot all right well we'll just give it to him we'll give it to him this time because i already gave him a pre-warning so he knows what the real the real com the real first comment is when we first go live so um, but yeah, Lab Rat, Chris Winland, Impact's better than AEW, Lizbeth's here, Jerome's here, uh, and we got Javi Uchiha, and, uh, yeah, that, that's it for now, but we'll see, we'll see, Buckshot Kid says, that's a really big pop brownie, oh, okay, <laughs> alright, um, so there you go, uh, we know he's alive, um, yeah, so more on Backlash, uh, it was like a lot of, um, let's see, what do we have? The, the, it was a, seemed like a shorter, a shorter card, a simpler card. Mm. And, uh, I'm trying the, the crowd that they started with the women's championship match between EO and, uh, Bianca and the crowd really wanted EO to win, um, so that they didn't really care that she was supposed to be a heel or whatever and uh just just cheering for her um kind of disappointed that bianca won i guess they were uh but whatever um what else happened yeah the omos and seth rollins you know um uh, this is one of those things where you have you have this giant that you don't know what to do with you have seth rollins in here which you kind of know what to do with but, you know, I guess they figure Seth Rollins could get anything over. So they try to put him in this match for some reason. I really don't know how this match came about. Could be a lot of reasons. Maybe That's, Seth Rollins said, give me the giant. I don't know. What were you about to say? It, it sounds like something like, put him with Rollins. He can pull, him a, pull a good match out of him. Yeah, which the somebody pulling a good match out of Omos is, should not be anybody's concern right at this moment. At this moment, you got to... You gotta ask yourself, what do you really plan to do with this guy? You know, they like should, what? What? They should have never split him off from AJ. No, they should. And they just trade him to MVP. Really, is is all that really end up happening? So, but what ends up happening is they have a match. And Seth Rollins goes over. So it's like, okay, this would be the one opportunity where you could get a you know a believable win. For Omos, it shouldn't. It should not have even lasted that long. It should have been about two minutes, and Omos should have killed him. And then, 
it's perfect because Omos is like, okay, now I'm a giant. I'm a credible threat again because I beat a top guy. Seth Rollins could come out on Monday Night Raw tonight and someone can ask him about it and he'd be like, can't win them all. <laughs> you know, like there's, it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't, he wouldn't care. It, it's like, yeah, who wouldn't lose to this guy? It doesn't matter. Anyways, I'm going to win that, you know, participation trophy title now. So, uh, I, I don't, you know, that seemed like a no-brainer. They didn't do it. Um, what else? Uh, Zelina came out. The crowd was very happy to see Zelina and her Puerto Rican flag cape thing that she wore and all dressed out in the red, white, and blue and all this stuff. And everybody seemed to be very happy. But, however, however, um... I could tell just from the audience that like uh, there was there was quite a few people that in that audience that were just as impressed and happy that Rhea Ripley was there as they were that Zelina, who's almost never on television and certainly never having matches and beating people, was there. So like they're cheering for the flag. They don't really care about her. And there was a there was a contingent of Rhea Ripley fans when you know when her name got announced and they held up the belt and everything like that. It's like yeah, uh, this really could have been something if they built to it and could have had a meaningful title change, even if it was just a quick little feel good moment. Flip it back to Rhea, the moment is what matters, and they could have created something. But they just but again, the only real real build to it is they're on opposing factions and they're women. That's it. It was just like, hey, you have this heritage. You're getting a title shot. <laughs> like, I don't know if she's ever been to Puerto Rico before, but she's <laughs> she's Puerto Rican, so she can have a title match. And that's not how you should do it. You should have known that you had... Because it's not like they booked this building like two weeks in advance. They had this, they had this planned like months, if not years in advance, so... You could have gotten ready to do something to the point where, you know, she was believably built. But she still got heat from the whole Twitch thing and her husband and all this other stuff. So <clears throat> it's like here, here's some, here's some, uh, here's some PR for PR. How about that? Like that, that's basically what it is. It's like, yeah, look, look what we're doing. We got a hometown hero sort of uh, up against. You know, our new champion that we just crowned and we just had her beat Charlotte to anoint her as the new queen of WWE. And, um, yeah, she's going to lose to some little girl in, you know, in a couple of weeks. I don't think anybody really... I saw one of the headlines skimming through the headlines of, like, you know, Mark Henry thinks that Zelina Vegas should have won the championship. And it's like, well, Mark Henry should know that she never had a chance of winning that championship if he's... You know, if he's any kind of industry veteran, he should really know. And nor should she. I mean, that's not, you know, it's the same thing people were saying about Sami Zayn. Oh, Sami Zayn should have won the title. No, Sami Zayn shouldn't have won the title. However, you know, if they were just going to fuck Cody anyway, yeah, why not? Who cares? Might as well have had Sami win the title because you clearly don't care about your own long-term plans. So, eh, you know, it was what it was. You know, Rhea beat her. No one was surprised. Um, then, uh, then for some inexplicable reason, um, they decided to put the Bad Bunny match on. <laughs> like, first of all, this was like one of the main angle going into your show. 
and you don't close with it, th this should be um, like rudimentary 101 level booking of, you know, whatever is your whatever's your draw and whatever's your top act or whatever. If you can't get the people higher than this, then that needs to go at the end, right? I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, but apparently they didn't get it. So you have all this thing where, you know, you got all this hype. Bad Bunny comes out to the reaction. Like, it's basically the, this is what people want. Everybody knows every word of his theme song, which is Chambea, which is the song that probably put him on the map when they had that music video with Ric Flair and stuff all those years ago. So everybody's singing along with it and, um, you know, and then, but then they, then they have this match like right in the middle. So you're just like, what? Like, how could they, how could they, how are they expected to follow this? Why would you want uh, if furthermore, if you thought two other matches were more important than this, why would you want them to follow that? Right? Like, <laughs> why would you want them to get buried in the, in this? And even though they, they still would get kind of good reactions, but. You know, considering everything that happened, considering the fact that it, it's a six-man tag team match with nothing on the line, uh, I really don't feel like that should have followed it. And just and you know, then the Cody versus Brock match again with nothing on the line. Uh, that's not a main event. I'm sorry, and I'm sure Brock was very mad that he had to sit through the whole show. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that, so that was, that was very puzzling. Um, a lot of praise for Bad Bunny, um, in terms of like what he's able to do as a non-wrestler or a non, you know, but, um, you know, all I saw was a guy that, you know, this is the perfect example of another thing that Rip Rogers always used to say, which is you could teach a chimp to wrestle. I'm not, I'm not counting, I'm not trying to disparage Bad Bunny and call him a chimp or anything, but I'm just saying, like, you can definitely see, um, you know, when you got all these people online saying, oh, he's better than 85% or 90% of the roster. Don't disrespect 90% of the roster like that. This guy almost broke his neck <laughs> doing a sliced bread with Damian Priest, which is just as much Damian Priest's fault for not knowing how to fucking do the move as it was for Bad Bunny's. Uh, you know, what, what if he had been crippled on that? Then what are you going to do? How are you going to take responsibility for that? You know? Um, but then, but even, even with that match, which was so hyped up and the crowd was going to be into every single thing that they were doing. Um, then they had like some run-ins with, uh, you know, they, they had, uh, Carlito, right. Do a run-in and Savio Vega did a run-in. But you, I always sorry. Go no, go ahead. I always saw Carlito as one of the most like missed potential like draws they could have had. I mean, oh five, oh six, that dude had so much charisma and upside. Yeah, I remember when I remember back then when Carlito and Masters came in. I was like, oh, okay, here's a here's a couple of fresh faces that could really do some stuff, and then it started out hot and just fizzled out quickly because you had certain people um that were still in, in you know trying to in their prime so to speak and just didn't want those guys to outshine them so there you go we get what we get 
Um, but uh, but yeah, so Carlito comes out and Savio Vega comes out. Now here's here's where they fucked it up. Like you 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 know it it, it didn't end up mattering because everybody was happy. But here's how you could have done it even better than the way they did it. So you know. They had, first of all, they showed Savio Vega earlier in the night, which that was a huge mistake. They yeah. they they showed him backstage, like, you know, talking to Bad Bunny and whatever whatever it was they showed him, right? So yeah, yeah. It, it, if you do that, you're you're like, okay, well, I guess nothing's coming. I, I guess nothing's happening, right? But that would have been better if they maybe didn't show that, especially since they planned the run in. Yeah, um, Savio Vega as a surprise in Puerto Rico would have made a been way more effective. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the crowd didn't know he was coming, and he hits the ring. Place would have exploded. Right. So they didn't show Carlito to their credit, but anyway, as you as you can imagine, it's a street fight. So Judgment Day, you know, they 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 wait until the scripted time to get involved, rather than you know, obviously, what would what what do we always say when we're talking about impacts of street fights and factions and stuff like that? It's like why you know, if if, if let's say for example, the design uh, is scheduled for a street fight, like with Cody Diener or somebody against whoever. And then why wouldn't Angels and Khan just come out and just be three on one right away? You know, it's a street fight. What is stopping you? Why why waste time? Why give them a chance to have a fair fight? Just beat the shit out of them, right? We always say that. So, of course, same thing happens here. Judgment Day's got to get involved at a point in the match. Because, uh, you know, whatever. So that's where... So when Carlito runs in, um, that's a surprise, um and but he still got his music from 2005 which is not the hypest music you know to hit like when he start like you see some guy running to the ring and it's like dan 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 it's not really like the, the so that right there is fucked up they should have just had him run in with no music right because everybody will recognize his afro anyway so you know come on and then um yeah so that so they do that and then, uh, and then uh, they have you know Savio come out, right? And he comes out, and then he stands there for an uncomfortably long time in the aisleway. So now we've got, we've got the, uh, we've got, um, we've got. I'm sorry, um, uh, 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 the guy I just said, Carlito on one side. So Finn, Finn and Dominic are like sandwiched in the aisleway between. You know, Savio Vega on one side, and you got you got uh, uh, Carlito on the other side, and they're both like, you know, we're stuck here. And then Savio Vega call like he he calls out for somebody to come out, and it's like then it's like the LWO. So so all these all these guys that are like the least over guys in this entire match come out. That is not how you should have done that. What you should have done. If you wanted to, you should have had the LWO come out and call Savio out. That's how you yes. do it to get the pop. You see what I'm saying? Yep. You, you you don't have the over guy come out and call out the non-over guys and expect that that gets the pop. But that's just more of the WWE not being in touch with anything that's going on, right? So they they even even when they had something that you you know it was so unfuckable that the crowd was not going to shit on it. Um, but they still didn't get the full potential out of it. So I think that's really just that right there. That one little segment was a microcosm of this entire event. Like you had something that was an easy home run 
and you basically got like a stand-up double out of it because and and you're gonna glad hand yourself now and talk about how successful it was and you're gonna have people talking about how great an event of backlash was and and all this other stuff and it's like yeah but eh could could have done more with it it's my opinion and um then you have um what else was the what was the other two like i said the six-man match you know where their whole their whole angle is like is Solo Sokoa going to turn on his brothers? Like, oh, oh, my goodness. Uh, I, like, the way the story's been built, Jay's more likely to turn on it, turn on them. Right, which is what they're trying to play into. Like, it's really more like, is Jay going to get the spike from, uh, from his, you know, from Solo, right? So you got, you got the, the younger brother in the, in the trio of brothers and you've got him as like you know, the the guy that's gonna that's gonna bring the hammer down on one of his older brothers, which you know, that's not necessarily the normal family dynamic, right? Um, but uh, so you know, those guys had a those guys had a match and it was fine and it you know the people were into it, but they've just got done seeing Bad Bunny and all this other stuff, you know, so it's like okay. We just saw Bad Bunny, Carlito, and and TNT make his you know <laughs> come come out and get their get their uh, you know get their flowers in this one match, and then you're gonna be like, oh, and here's a six man. So even though it's a great six man, maybe not the best for this point, right? Not to follow, not to follow your 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 highest point, and then you got Cody and Brock in the in the main event slot. And, you know, it's exactly what you'd imagine it'd be like. And I, as I was watching it, uh, which obviously wasn't live, but I was watching it and I'm like, uh, like Cody comes out, does his whole entrance and then Brock comes out and he's doing his entrance and he's like, and I'm, I'm just like Cody, uh, like literally I'm, I'm by myself watching this, no one around. And I'm just, I'm just watching. I'm like, Cody, if you don't jump on this motherfucker right now and start beating the shit out of him, then you fucked up. And sure enough, he dives out the ring on Brock and starts, you know, gets that jump start and starts kicking his ass. I was like, all right, well, at least he knows that much. Um, and then of course, you know, at one point Brock Lesnar's like "Eh, enough of this and starts suplexing him, all this other stuff, you know, they, uh, they get the, uh, you know, they do the spot where they expose the buckle. Brock Lesnar takes a buckle in the face, bleeds, um, look like a hard way, but, uh, I don't know. It was tough because I, I saw him bleed instantly after he hit that, um, after he hit that steel buckle and I'm like, okay, well, he's not a big enough mark that he would just actually bust itself open on the turnbuckle also you couldn't guarantee that hitting that is just going to bust your head open either like it's what if you didn't right what if you just thunk and then hit your head and it doesn't bleed so i don't know i think he must have done something at some point but i didn't catch it and i ran it back to uh to right before he did it and i didn't see any blood coming out yet so i don't know it's possible he bladed at some point before that but i didn't catch it um Anyway, yeah, there was blood, blood all over the place, uh, and uh, what else? Um, yeah, then they did one of those finish where I think I think the finish was because I was losing interest, and they they they, they, had, they had a finish. I think I think the finish was, if I remember correctly, Brock had the Kimura on 
Cody and Cody sort of like rolled him and pinned him. So it's like one of those like Bret Hart Piper 92 type finishes where you pin the guy that's trying to make you submit and then that's it. And I'm just like, there was a spot where after after Brock hit the buckle, Cody hit two like uh, crossroads. I just would have took it home after that. Because you're still beating Brock, what's the difference? You don't have to protect him. And also, if you go back to what I was saying earlier, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know, the 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 booking and the uh, transitive properties and the vet math, it should be, well, Seth could beat Brock in five minutes. Cody with two arms, uh, Cody with one arm could beat Seth. So Cody with two arms should be able to beat Brock in two and a half minutes, right? Like with full use of both of his arms, but it took a lot longer than two and a half minutes. And he still didn't like just get a clean, decisive pin. It was left up in the air to try to protect Brock, which I'm like, what are we trying to protect Brock for? You've already jobbed him out. He's basically almost Omos at this point. You've only used Brock for the past several years to lose to other people that you want to look good. He's barely beaten anybody in this time because it's usually him versus Roman Reigns and they kept putting Roman Reigns over. So, you know, I don't know. Brock's not the, he's, he doesn't seem to be the threat that he once was, but every time he comes out there and looks impressive, you're like, oh, I see. Yes. Brock Lesnar. And then he loses. So it's like, I don't know. Do we really need to protect him at this point? You had a good, you had a good thing where he busted his face open and Cody hit the finish on him two times and that wasn't enough to beat him. Uh, you know, I, I think that's as good a time as any to get a clean pin on Brock Lesnar after a buckle, sh you know, an exposed buckle shot, but that's just me. So overall, I gave the show a yawn out of 10, but, um, a lot of other people seem happy with it. And like you said, isn't that the most important thing at the end of the day? Yep. Send your crowd home happy and they want to come back and see you again. Yep. Well, whenever they go back to Puerto Rico. They'll be very, they'll be very, uh, they'll be very happy to see them. And maybe they'll get some of that other, some of those other little details, right? Um, but yeah, well, anything else before we uh, jump into this episode of Impact? Now nah, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um... So we, you know, on this episode, which took place on May, what was it? Fourth? May the fourth be with you. All right. So everybody was watching Star Wars movies and uh, then they turn on Impact just to wash the taste of those pre, uh, those, those, uh, those uh, non-George Lucas sequels out of their mouth, I guess. Um, How is there not any Star Wars theme stuff on this episode? Because they... I, I don't know. Do they ever have any Star Wars themed stuff in wrestling? <laughs> no, but you would think like if anybody was doing it, either be Impact or AEW. Well, they were the only or Impact was the ones that was airing on the fourth, so you think they would do it? Yeah, or something. I can see why AEW wouldn't do it because that's a competing uh, network that owns all that <laughs> other stuff. But yeah, why not? Um. Yeah, so we get a recap of everything that was going on, you know, and then at the top of the show, we tease that Trinity's here. Trinity's going to make her debut tonight with a live mic, which she's not known for, like, pipe bombs. So, I, you know, I guess 
it, it, I thought I just thought it was funny how how they were hyping that aspect of it. Like they should have just not said what she was doing at all. They should have just said she's here, you know, and then that's it. But they definitely made sure that you knew and you were going to stay tuned, right? Yeah, like the live mic part, they kept hyping up. Like when has she ever been known to be yeah. dangerous with a live mic? <laughs> Well, yeah, well, in one aspect, maybe, but not the not the aspect you think. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they do that. And then they, they go right into a cold match, like with no entrances, um, which is uh, Uemura and Gujar teaming up to face Moose and Myers. Um, so, you know, if you rob me of a Moose entrance, like that that upsets me a little bit you know I, I feel like i should be grateful but then again i i you know should should you be grateful for things that you should be getting like if i should be getting a moose match and i should be getting a full entrance so i'm not just going to count my blessings just because he's there you know i want the full experiences so so that that sucked but it definitely felt like I don't know. Did did the announcing feel like voiced over to you here? Yeah, it did. And I saw in the show they were clearly there. Like they were at ringside at least at certain points. So maybe for this part of the taping they weren't there. Um and then later they made cuz they they made sure not to get them on camera during this part, I guess. And then later on you could kind of see them in the background. But it, it it definitely felt voiced over, right? So you did notice that, huh? Mm. Yeah, weird. yeah, that was weird. All right. Well, anyway, um, they, you know they had a normal match. Uh, I, I say normal because nothing crazy happened. It was just a, a a fine tag match that you could see anywhere and you know be pleased with it. Uh, they didn't do anything too crazy. Um, and Moose picks up a rare win. So for a rare appearance and even rarer win for Moose, as he just he beats Gujar with the spear and shows him how it's really done. You don't even need to climb up to the second buckle to hit a spear on somebody. And uh, Moose and Myers get that victory. So I'm not really I'm not really sold on the this pairing of you know these guys that just it's like oh yeah we don't have anything for you Moose so now you're stuck with this fucking guy. That, that's what it feels like. Because it seems like the character of Moose before all this would not be that interested in teaming up with a guy long term, and yet here we are just doing it just because. So that we were never given at least a, a kayfabe reason why he would stick around with Myers. It's just, yep, here we're just doing this now, right? Yep. And and wasn't it to take care of Joe Hendry? Now what's going on with him? He's doing something else with Dango. Yeah, they just moved on. Just, just moved on from that. We're, we're 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 not doing what we started out to do, and then we're just you know we're just going to be friends, I guess. So there you go. So that was uh, that's weird. So any other uh, thoughts on this particular match, or anything um, that you noticed, or uh, any other? If you'd like to take this time to just appreciate Moose in any fashion that you feel appropriate, um, I'd like to hand the floor over to you no it just felt like this was moose appreciation just this whole thing which i can appreciate mm -hmm. like yeah. give us an entrance too if you're gonna really give us appreciation give us the entrance too 
Right. Yeah, I'm sure the crowd got an entrance. You know, the live crowd must have, so why didn't you just turn the camera on and film it? <laughs> Even if he's the only one that gets an entrance. Like, we start with the other three guys in the ring, and then it's Moose's, you know, Moose comes out. That's fine. I'll take that. So, you know. Anyway. And he's like the prettiest spear in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, this is what a moose can do. Um, so, I really, it would behoove you, you see what I did there, because a moose has a hoof, uh, to uh, to really maximize your your potential here of this talent. Um, all right, we've got the roving reporter, Gia. Uh, she's backstage as she finds the, uh, what I will dub, I guess from here, here on, see if you like this one, Brandon, the champagne army. How about that? I like it. All right. So of course that would be Burt Macklin, uh, and, uh, champagne Singh and, and Mahabali Shira. Um, and she's doing her, her job and she's asking them about the alliance, uh, between them. And, you know, Macklin's like, well, why wouldn't I get back up? You know, I got a target on my back now, so it's only smart. And then uh, as they're getting ready to leave, uh, Singh gives Gia a cash tip, I guess. Like she's some sort of a waitress or something. <laughs> I don't know. Valet parking. I don't know. So that was, I like that. That was kind of funny. No, nah, the dude's committing to the bit. Yep. Um... Yeah, any thoughts on this? It, I thought it was really weak logic to tie them together. Like, why wasn't there, like, more build-up or just something leading up to this instead of just, like... It lo- It was more like... felt like he just pulled two names out of a hat and said, all right, throw these two guys together with Mac and we're not doing anything with them. Yeah. Yeah, like, as as the champion, which you'd be the guy, right, in the company, What would? what about these two guys would make you think that this is the most suitable like protection for you like one of these guys is clearly like doing a comedy (laughs) gimmick and not that interested which we'll talk about later um and share hasn't won a match ever (laughs) so i don't know what what uh you know that that wouldn't be my first picks for mercenaries if you know what i mean they're me i'm going for goldberg 98 oh yeah dude exactly that's what i'm saying you know those guys ain't gonna they're not going to lay down for anybody, so I, I'd definitely go after them. Look, I know we had our differences in the past, but you don't take no L's, so I want you on my side. Yeah. Um. All right. So then we get a recap about the uh, tuft of hair, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, then we then we go to a uh, you know Detective Dango with his uh, his board with the yarn. And everything, I thought, Lizbeth must like this. There's all kinds of yarn all over the place here. Um, And then, you know, Joe Henry appears. Uh, he's got a magnifying glass. Uh, Dango has the uh, the Sherlock Holmes hat. Um, and they got a bunch of pictures on this board, which are funny Easter eggs if you're actually looking for them. There's like a picture of Tyler Breeze off to the side. It says, Dirty Cop. Yeah, dirty cop <laughs> with a question mark, and then uh, you got like uh, you have uh, who Tomko. is that? Yeah, Tyson Tonko's off to the side. 
um you really have to watch this whole thing like if you didn't see this just go to their you i don't know if they have the clip of this on their youtube channel or whatever but it's worth it just to see this one part because i can't recap it accurately for the way they perform it like they're very funny with their comedic timing on it so i would you know if you're if you like this goofy kind of bullshit i would definitely recommend that uh you go and check it out for yourself and don't just take my recap and Brandon's recap of it. Definitely watch it. Um, yeah, there's some. The, another funny thing was that they had like, I think it was was it Tony Chimmel, a picture of him, and then they have like one string that's connected to like the Burgess Meredith penguin from the Batman TV show, and then they've got another string going down to it looks like the Colin Farrell penguin from the Batman. <laughs> Like he's like, they're trying to say like, is this guy the penguin? You know, shit like that. It, it's yeah. I don't know. There's other stuff too. I think Bruno Sammartino was up there somewhere. I, don't, I, I couldn't be sure. I, I, but anyway, yeah. I want to say I saw nails up there too. Oh no, it was, um, somebody didn't wear a jumpsuit. It was, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Larry D I think. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause of the, the, the callback to the, uh, who shot Johnny Johnny Bravo angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was him. So, but yeah, he, he was dressed like nails. So there you go. Anyway, all this is to say that, you know, from, from all this, they, they, they narrow down Trey Miguel as a possible suspect and they go and, you know, they decide they're going to investigate him. So he's also on the board in the lower left-hand corner. So, yeah. If you like this kind of, you know, if you like this comedy shit, then uh, check that out. Um, I think here's a. Have, oh, go I ahead. Think, I think they might have dropped the first hint of who it might be of actually uh, when it finally gets revealed. Oh, okay. You want to, you want to tell now or tell later? I think it's going to be Joe Hendry turning heel. Because <gasps> you notice when he walked in. Uh, Daniel asked him, like, hey, where'd you get that black eye? And then they quickly changed the subjects. He's like, <laughs> well, yeah, but he, the way, see, that's one of those things where I say, you got to say it for yourself. Cause the, the way he's, he's like, he, he, he said it like he was trying to defend a battered woman that didn't want to admit she was getting beaten up. <laughs> he's like, somebody hit you, bro. Did somebody hit you. Oh uh, yeah. So. But yeah, you may be onto something there, so we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. All right, here's something that's comedic in a different way. It's Sammy Callahan versus Diener. Uh, except it's not Diener, it's Khan. It's, uh, and, they, and they beat him up first. So we do the old, we're going to beat the shit out of you, and then the ref's going to ask you if you want to start the match thing that they started doing a couple years ago, and I don't know why, but they do that. Um, <laughs> Labrath says we better get a shirt <laughs> for Joe Hendry's flag. <laughs> Dude, if he doesn't do that, if Joe Henry doesn't make a Britt Baker shirt out of that, then anyway, um, that would be a great rib. That'd be such a great rib. Yeah, yeah. Um, even if you don't actually make the shirt, but if you just make a mock-up like you're about to sell the shirt and say like we couldn't sell this for whatever reasons, you know. <laughs> Is we had this ready to go. Um, that would be enough. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Sammy Callahan versus Khan. Okay. They have, you know, a match for a while. 
and then he ends up kicking him in the balls, and then uh, before uh, anything else, can, before the match can have a finish, the ring fills up with yellow hoodies, and uh, they beat the shit out of Sammy again, and then uh, he gets a bat in the face from Diener. So a little retribution on Sammy for, uh, you know, what he did to uh, to Diener at uh, whatever pay-per-view that was that I already forgot the name of. Rebellion? <sighs> yes, that. Sure. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, 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 there it is. So, so, you know, this whole thing isn't over between these guys, but I don't know. What else can you really do? I mean, I understand that the design would not just let it go. On the other hand, you've already done it seems like every permutation of this that you could possibly do and i don't know how much interest there still is to keep doing it i mean it seems like he fought these guys before he had to you know before he had to join them after he joined them you know like well it's, at the same time you gotta look at it too it's like well this whole thing is he infiltrated them and tried to destroy him from the inside out okay well how are they now, before he went in how are they after he came out they're in the same spot Yes. Yes, they've gone nowhere. It's a lateral move. Um Yeah, this is this whole thing is just I I think they should just if there was ever a time cuz you know how many times in wrestling you say whatever happened to them doing this or that cuz they just drop it out of nowhere. I think of all the times you could do this, this would be this and no one would really care that much. We could all just move on and pretend this shit never happened. Um like Eric Young, what are you doing here? What are you talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't even know if they had to do that, but I, I just th there's nowhere to go really. I don't think. Prove me wrong, Impact. I know obviously you're watching, taking notes. You know, you're adjusting your show based on our recommendations. So, my recommendation is, fuck this shit. Let's see how they respond. Um, all right, now we get, uh, the interrogation of Trey Miguel in which they, uh, you know, check his hair and make sure that he's not missing any of it on the top of his head and, uh, more comedic hijinks. Like, again, I can't reenact this. Like, I'm not even going to try to recap what they're saying here, but it is like, even though this is the kind of stuff I don't like in wrestling, I will admit that in a vacuum, what they're doing is funny because they're good performers. So, if if I could say one thing about Trey Miguel that's good, it's that he's used to doing stuff like this ever since the Rascals and all the other stuff that they've been doing. So he's very he's very uh, versed in comedic trios in vignettes. So we you know we know he can do this at least. Um, but uh, yeah. So just another comedy skit. Anything you'd like to add to this whole thing or comment? No, I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I mean, you got the right guys for this for this angle and segment. Agreed. Um, we like, got the, like like the awkwardness between Dango and Trey was just. Again, you got it. You have to watch it. Yeah, we even if we reenacted exactly, it's still not as good as them. So, um, all right, we get a shot of Trinity's door. <laughs> okay, and then, uh, all right, now we've got another one of these things where 
it's uh, Jimmy Jacobs presenting Nick Aldis in front of this backdrop, <laughs> you know? So we're, we're, like he gets his own style of interview segment on these shows. No Gia, it's Jimmy. He gets his, he gets his own, he gets his own interviewer. We never see Jimmy Jacobs on camera until I started mentioning him, by the way. And then now, now Nick Aldis has his own personal Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, and you know, he basically is saying like, you know, just cause he's back to be the impact world champion doesn't mean he has any intention of jumping the line. Uh, he's willing to work his way up from the bottom and whatever, you know, that's, that's basically what the, the gist of his promo. Then Kenny King walks in and, uh, he's like, Hey, I was just walking by and, uh, you know, he decided to say what he wanted to say. He questions, uh, the sincerity of what all this is saying like, are are you here? To, are you here to make an impact, or are you here to wait at the back of the line? Like, what do you you know? You're talking out of both sides of your mouth is essentially what he's saying. And uh, Aldis says, you know, how about you and me have a match or whatever? And he's like, you don't just you don't just come in and get an audience with the king. You should understand that, right? It's like a monarchy, you know. So, good good wordplay from Kenny King as usual. Timely um, too. Mm, timely you know we just had a coronation in case anybody gives a shit about that which apparently a lot of people do for some reason um yeah but, did uh, we hope did we like fight an entire war to get away from that that's ancient history now <laughs> it's literally ancient history in wrestling terms it was you know three weeks ago is ancient history but um yeah uh, and uh, i want to say hello to jerome with an n joining us um he asked how was the lights uh and uh the light was good it was good i'll i'll get to one thing in a second here but um you know if if they've done if they've done any any bit of our advice they may have you know they may have decided that this this was not the hill to die on in this war that they have between the impact attack and actual impact so uh yeah um so anyway, yeah, like I said, I like this. I like Nick Aldis interviews. He's good. I like Kenny King. He's good. Um, I like, I even kind of like that he has his own setup, but it's almost like a heelish thing, but it, it's fine. It works. Don't even mind Jimmy Jacobs doing it. Um, it's just a little something different. I'm fine with it. So, you know, it makes, it, it helps to make him stand out. It's probably some creative input on Nick Aldis's part because I know he's very, He's probably very hands-on and involved with whatever he's got to do on the show, um, and he should, because he hasn't. Yeah, you know, I've never, I've never looked at Nick Aldis and thought that there was something that was his idea and been like, "That's a stupid idea." It's usually, you know, works for him and whatever's going on as well. So, uh, more Nick Aldis, and I'm not just saying that as a Legacy Subs customer. I'm just, just calling it like I see it. If you fuck up, Nick Aldis. I'm gonna call you out. But he's good for now. Um anything else uh to put a bow on this? Nah, I uh other than I think it's gonna lead to him and King at under siege, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um all right, well we're we're leading to Alicia Edwards versus Jody Threat. Uh which yeah, this is better that it's it's probably better that it's not on under siege because, goddamn, um, I'm not gonna break down this entire match, but 
just to give you an example, like how the match starts. Okay, we do the thing where they have a face off, and like Lish slaps Jody in the face, right? So the immediate answer from from Jody is, "Oh, you just slapped me in the face." Shoulder tackle, <laughs> like what? Yeah, somebody what? like somebody like Jody, you slap a Jody threat in the face, she's gonna be beating the shit out of you. Yes. If if anything, there, there's a bunch of ways you could do this spot, none of which involve a shoulder tackle. For for example, uh, option one, uh, you slap her, her eyes get big as she kind of sells the slap, and then you just run. Like, you run to the ropes, like, ref, ref, you know, and then she tries to, like, get you, and then, you know, you can maybe even, or, or maybe you get through the ropes and, uh, you know, you... Um, she tries to grab you by the hair or something like that. And then you snap her neck on the top rope. And then you could just go right into the heat from there. Like immediately Jody's in trouble, a threat, if you will, a threatened. And, uh, and then, you know, it, it can just be, um, you know, almost like that's almost like a jump start, but in a different way. That's one thing. Or you could do this. Uh, you, you slap Jody Jody just punches you right in the mouth and you take a bump, you know, and then you roll out and then Jody's like, come on in here, you pussy, you know, like whatever you, you can, you can actually work, you know, working. It's called working. Um, yep. And also too, the heel through the first strike. So it works. Right. Exactly. And not only did the heel throw the first strike, but as the baby face, not only did you strike back, but you one upped, you went from a slap to a, close fist punch like fuck you you know that's what you're supposed to do retribution plus some that's the idea like okay so that's two things right off the top of my head um how do you do this <laughs> uh and they did none of that it was slap into shoulder tackle which is a spot that you would never ever see for good reason and it was no good reason here and then later on, she got the slap back, but it was like, nah, you already fucked up. You already tackled her. What's the difference? You know, it's like, we don't need to see the slap. Um, so yeah, there, like I said, there's, there's several variations on how you could start a match with a heel slapping the baby face. And this was none of them. So it just went downhill from there. They just did a few spots, you know, didn't really go together like I said, they're not working. They're just having their match. The match that they laid out was not particularly good. I just wrote Jody wins after some mediocre stuff. And uh, that's what it was, basically. Um, uh, yeah, I felt Leash should have worked more as a pest heel. Like, kind of like, get her shots in, get out of the way. Get your shots in, get out of the way. Get her down. And then when she's down, get get your shots. She starts getting back up, back up. Get your shots and get away. Get her back down. It's all right there if you know what you're doing. However, meh. We get this. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Whatever. It does matter. No one will ever remember it. Even if they had a good match, no one will ever remember it. It's buried in the middle of a random Impact episode. So I guess in the end, it really doesn't matter but those are the things like whether you're in front of no cameras whether you're taping for tv whether you're on a pay-per-view whether you're wrestling in front of 10 people in a barn somewhere 
use those opportunities to practice things that will eventually make you money. You know, just because you're not making money with it now doesn't mean that you won't have an opportunity to be in front of people who will see you and be like, oh, she knows what she's doing. Like, you see these two, right? And you're like, yeah, this... If, if you look at Impact as a lower-level company, you're going to watch these two have this match and be like, yeah, that figures. You know, when you, when you watch somebody like a Masha or a Diana and they work matches and you're, you see what they do, you're, if you were an agent, you'd be like, hmm, okay, these two ladies know what's up, you know? I might want to sign them to a contract. So that's what you have to think about when at any level of the business, whether you're just starting out, like think about what will impress a veteran whose job it is to scout talent? You know, there are things that they look for that they don't see. Anybody can see somebody run a high spot or, or do an athletic move. Like, they'll see that kind of stuff all the time. They want to see if you know what to do with it. So if you're trying to move up, you know, never miss an opportunity to work on that. Um, but anyway. there's There's one dude I... I knew there who uh, who would get booked at a place just to test test stuff out. Yeah, and um, you know we're not talking about like doing a crazy move, right? Because you can practice the crazy move, you know, on your own time with a crash pad, or you know, if you want to work something out before the show to see if you can do it, or things like that. You know, you can get your reps in on those things and practice those moves. Like if you. If you're like, man, I want to hit a crazy moonsault. So practice your crazy moonsault, you know, with a with a crash pad or something. So that you can get the, you know, you can get the basic move down or whatever it is. But, you know, because you because you're not gonna you're not gonna get better at something by not doing it. So when it comes time to hit your money move, you want to be able to do it and not screw it up. You don't want to be bad bunny and break your neck, right? Or almost break your neck. So you got to practice it somewhere, but don't practice it at times where it's not going to do anything for you. You know, um, that's, that's basically it. But anyway, yeah, like I said, uh, not, a, not, not the best match. Um, and then we have Motor City Machine Guns with Gia and no music underneath. Um, Saban, I think if I was hearing him correctly, cause you know, I want to tune out, you know, Goldberg's promos have never been like his strong suit. So I, I tend to tune out, but I think he was saying something about wanting to become the X Division champion for the 20th time or whatever it is, right? Was that what he was talking about? Yep, nine times. And he actually said nine times, nine times. He did. He counted them out, too, so he wouldn't lose his place. Because I'm sure, you know, as a former as a former football player, you know, he's not the smartest. So he definitely had to count with his fingers to make sure he got all nine in. Um, and then... Uh, and then uh, Gia's like, well, what about you, Alex Shelley? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, sure a lot of people say that uh, you're the greatest wrestler to never win the world championship, so I think I'll just go do that. And she's like, what? What are you, what are you saying? It's like, oh, I'm just going to win the world title real quick. <laughs> like like he said, oh, I, I left something, I, I left my bag in the other room, let me go grab it. Like he said it that casually, so, I, you know, okay. There you go. Um... What do you think? World champion Alex Shelley? There was a time where I thought he could have been a draw as a world champion. Not anymore. Right. Really? A draw even, huh? 
if he would have been given the opportunity. Do you mean, do you mean like a Sammy Callahan draw or a real draw? <laughs> well, I mean, like he, there's a lot of comparisons to him and Jericho, like back in the day. Like I thought he could have been like, if he would have had the opportunity to cultivate and build that, but that really happens. Of course, that could also kind of fall. A lot of that falls on him as well. Because you got to remember, Jericho didn't take any shit. He he pushed forward. Yeah. Um, Javi with the thumbs up, thumbs down <laughs> there. Uh, here's why... Alex Shelley could not and cannot ever be a main event player. One simple reason. And this is no, like, I don't even know if it's something, I guess it's something you can work on, but he does not, like his face does not emote. Like when he's in a match, he does not have facial expressions. He just has the same look on his face the entire time, which is that's every Alex Shelley match, whether he's selling, whether he's fired up, whether he's whatever it's his face never really changes. And he looks like a guy that's trying to remember stuff. So that's not a main event guy, you know? Even even besides all the other reasons why he somebody could say he's not a main event guy, because um, there's guys that have you know been smaller than him, less athletic than him, less ripped than him. You know, like there's there's been plenty of guys that were main event guys. You know that Alex Shelley may have tangible points over, um, but he just doesn't have those facial expressions. So there you go. Yeah. Mike Martin says no charisma. It's not even necessarily no charisma, but it's just that his face won't show his charisma, which you you need. You need that moneymaker. He's better. I, I guess watching him now, he has more of it than he did back in those days, like the days that he's talking about where he might have been a world champion. But I still see it from time to time. Anyway, no point. Uh, speaking of no point, um, part two of... Frankie Kazarian with Gia and music underneath. Um, I wrote down really nothing because he said things and none of it mattered. It was just very like he glossed over entire chunks of his fucking career. Right. It's like the whole, like the juicy thing that everybody wanted to hear from this part two was okay. What exactly led to your departure from AEW? And it's kind of like just, yeah, kind of, you know, just, Things kind of were going there with the side, you know, I kind of want to bet on myself. Yeah. If, um, did he even say AEW? The words AEW? The letters? Did he even say it? That is a good question. I know he said get on the ground floor of something. Right. So he's vague about what he's talking about, and then he glosses over the entire thing. Which makes me wonder if, A, Scott Demore is worried about harming a potential relationship with them, or potential legal ramifications because we all know how quick Tony has to try to get litigious. Uh, I don't think he should have to worry about that. I mean, it's only helping AEW. Certainly wouldn't hurt. He's just saying I was there, you know? It's like, he was. We can all see it. Um, But he, you know, and and I don't think in either in, in either 
part one or part two of this, did he really even talk about the fact that he was in WWE? I forgot if he said that in part one. Because he was. I mean, if you weren't watching Velocity, you didn't see him. But he was there. He yep. was there. So I, I don't remember if he covered that part either. So he's I don't like... Think he did. Yeah, so if you're not if you're not going to actually get in depth and talk about some of this history, then why are we doing a sit down piece where you're spotlighting this this like an interview? What's the point of this if you're not going to get into that those those nitty gritty details? We don't need just more generic guys cutting promos or just saying vague shit. Uh, I don't know. Right, this should have been like a like a sixty minute style interview. Yeah, yeah, like Buckshot Kid says, it's like they have nothing for Frankie, so they gave him that. Well, but but if you're Frankie, you should come up with something for that. Like even if they have nothing for you, you get something for yourself. They actually sit you down, and you think they're going to be like, okay, Frankie Kazarian, uh, we know that you chose to come here and sign with us and be like a featured player because you want to. Bet on yourself, which is a, a big phrase these days for people that are working in companies that are less necessarily popular than other companies. They say you're betting on yourself. Um, and I don't want to disparage that because, like I said, you know, um, people have different priorities and people need to, and fans need to remember that just because the WWE is a big company or AEW is a big company doesn't mean you can't go there and be miserable every day. So, you know, it's your, your happiness is just as important. If you're, if you're functionally doing the same thing, if you're showing up at a building with a gym bag and then wrestling for anywhere to five to 20 minutes, it's the same, whether you're in WWE or impact or whatever, the only difference is the size of the crowd and how the cameras are going to make you look other than that for you, it's the exact same. So it's better to be somewhere where you're happy and still making some money. Of course, you'd always ideally like to make more, but sometimes you can't put a price on on comfort and happiness so i'll say that about that um but uh yeah as far as um i don't know i just feel like this is one of those opportunities where you come from aw and you sign with impact if they sit you down and say hey we got nothing for you creatively so we're gonna do these interviews and also read off this piece of paper and don't contribute any ideas. I don't really think they do that to Kaz. So I'm sure he had some input. And if this is the best that he's got, then I don't need to see a part three. We can just cut this off right now. Yeah, this was something they could have done. I don't know. It could have been much more special other than just like a really vague recap of Frankie Kazarian's career. Right. Like why not mention of his wife who was you know that he basically met met there. Don't talk about your wife, Frankie. All right, and action. <laughs> it's like last minute directions. Yeah, like basically impact wrestling essentially gave him his family. Right. Yeah, we're not talking about that. You know, we're if we are, we're just glossing over it again. So whatever. Yeah, just I don't know. And uh, to Buckshot Kid's point, he's not bumping in the ring, he's getting paid. Well, he is bumping in the ring. It's just they sit down and tape all these interviews and spread that out. And then his one match that he's going to have at the set of tapings is the same one match that everybody's going to have. It's 
tonight Moose had his one match that he's going to have all month, you know? <laughs> it's like, but he's not getting a career retrospective interview either. So, you know, just one of those things. All right, so anyway, speaking of one of those things, uh, we get the Champagne Army uh, versus PCO, and is PCO going to come out by himself? Uh, no, baby! He's not. We're going to get Heath and Rhino are going to back him up. Um, I just wrote down this sucked and it was stupid. Like, this match sucked. Uh, they did a bunch of stupid shit in this match that everybody should know better. Like, for example... So Champagne Singh does the spot that you do on like house shows when you're doing this, you know, uh, rich guy gimmick, I guess, where you're like, he like, so PCO's in the ring and he's supposed to be, you know, some kind of a crazy monster, right? I mean, I guess uh, we, we all laugh at him and, and shake our head at what he's doing, but in the, in the world they've created, this is a guy that came back from a literal burial um you know all these things right and he 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 can't be killed he's he's uh you know what i mean and this guy gets in the ring and starts like he immediately turns his back to pco and then starts like appealing to the people and doing a bunch of shtick so he's basically saying oh this guy's not a threat and then he and then he he turns around and walks into whatever which is like no your spot here is to be selling the fact that you're afraid to be in this ring right now. Otherwise, why, you know, he's just, he treats the whole thing like a joke. It's the complete wrong way to act. Even for a comedy character, the timing of it is wrong. It's bad. So, um, and then they just, you know, obviously they keep doing a bunch of dumb shit, you know, um, PCO does that thing where he does like the senton on the apron and it's it, it sing again. And Singh takes this, but because of what the scripted match is, he, you know, like the, he's, he's up and, and, you know, double and triple teaming PCO, like within 30 seconds, I think, you know, like within a minute, you know, the, his partners have already pushed him back in the ringer and they're, they're cooperating with him. So he, he's not even selling this big ass, you know, crazy bump. Right. So I don't know. Fuck it. PCO hits the PCO salt. Uh, on Sing. I don't even it's, know if anybody else got in this match. <laughs> did Macklin even tag in? I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, he did. He was the legal guy going into the hot tag. Okay. So. So, I thought so that even really that, tight. even that, they fucked up because these guys shouldn't even. Macklin should be trying to avoid touching PCO as long as he can. Right, and plus, it just it just felt weird having the champ be the guy tagging out in in during the hot tag. Yeah. And that didn't feel right. I don't know why. You do know why. <laughs> you know why. Yeah. Well, I will have to admit, I did like the part at the end with Heath grabbing all the money that fell on the ground. He's mm-hmm. got kids. He's got kids. Yeah, that's the other thing. Once it's too late, Singh tries to bribe PCO with money. Like, okay. Yeah. After you've had the whole match, you want to try now. Right. That's usually the spot you open the match with. Right. No, instead he was like, ah, I got this. I don't care. Like, like, do you ever see Godfather offer the hose at, like, as the match is coming to the end? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, I'm about to lose. Let me give him the hose. <laughs> yeah. That would, that would add a whole new dimension to the character. <sighs> All right. Anything else uh, to, to bury this match with? 
Nah, this. Oof. Yeah. There's, Not there's no that. point. There's no point in us burying it. It's just going to walk back from the desert with dirt in its mouth anyway. So. All the way from Vegas to Chicago. That's it. It's a long walk. Um. All right. Next, we get witches making candles. They're going to open their own candle business to compete with Bed Bath & Beyond and other things. Like, I don't know. I got nothing they, to say. Or maybe they intend to resurrect it and they're gotten a necromancy. Ooh. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, all right, the dead dolls meet with Father James Mitchell. So, you know, maybe I was wrong last week when we were talking. And uh, when when Crazy Steve said, you know what you got to do, this actually was what they had to do. And I just misinterpreted the whole thing. So uh, here he is. Um, and they're saying, like, you know, hey... I want to get to the undead realm. And he's like, well, you got to do something for me, but I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> and she's like, I ain't going to make no open-ended deals with you. And he's like, well, it's either, it's either come with me now or you kn who knows how long that you'll have to wait before you get another chance. I'm paraphrasing all of this because it's really much more gross and weird <laughs> than I'm making it sound. Is um, something about minotaurs and sirens that he has to take care as to service or something like that. Yeah. It's definitely creepy and gross, uh, and uh, so and and, uh, and with James Mitchell, it might be a shoot. So, um, I, I so so I think so. Anyway, yeah. So Rosemary reluctantly agrees, but uh, um, you know Jessica can't can't go with her, and um, and she leaves Jessica with an hourglass. Says you know when this runs out, I'll be back, and she takes her cleaver she takes her meat cleaver in there with her yeah it's like go like, where it's like we're going where we're armed yeah we're going in armed um all right so here we go and more more teleporting and magic which as you all know is my favorite thing <laughs> tell <laughs> opening random closet doors into other dimensions now that's pro wrestling they still imagine making it look like something out of a Disney movie. Yeah. Or a Disney program or something. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Rosemary had a cleaver for what? For cleaving. Duh. Obviously, she's going to cleave something. Well, last time we saw the Undead Realm, there were a lot of trees. So maybe she should have brought an axe, but maybe that wasn't maybe there wasn't like a safety fire axe handy, so she just had to grab a cleaver from the kitchen. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh nah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, next is Octopus versus Speedball part four or five if you count their um their uh, triple threat with Trey. Um Let's see. Uh, Jonathan Gresham is chewing gum, which I also love. I love it about as much as I love uh, teleporting and undead realms. Um, also, John starts glistening at about four minutes this time. So uh, this is this is a <laughs> this is getting a little more concerning. But um, but yeah. Uh, 
so these guys do what they do you know for the most part they the if you don't watch every wrestling in the world you're probably gonna see some things in this match that you haven't seen before or you haven't seen in a long time um I know there's some stuff I rarely see that they like to do. So it, it was interesting from that aspect of it. Uh, it's good how they can go from just grappling to uh, striking to high spots. You know, they, they're they very well versed in all of it. So it's like slightly unique, uh, especially on a show where you've seen what? Have we even seen a good match to this point? Let me go back. Uh, the tag match was okay, but it wasn't anything special. Um, the Sammy versus Diener was just a gimmick, you know, to 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 further the angle. It wasn't really much of a match. Um, Alicia versus Jody Threat was bad. Uh, the arm, the six man was bad. So like, this is probably like the first like really interesting match that we saw. And the octopus wins with the octopus. So very fitting um so i i prefer this compared to everything else on the show and even as a standalone match like it was fine i liked it enough i'll give it a thumbs up i'll give it a hesitant thumbs up uh what about you brandon what'd you think of this whole thing do you think it really um are you getting interested in the rivalry the longer it goes on or are you kind of tapping out and ready for it to be over I might be tapping out after this one because to me it felt like this should have been a match where they finally like they throw the sportsmanship out the window, they throw the respect out the window, and just come to blows and want to beat the shit out of each other. And it kind of felt like they were kind of building towards that. There was points in the beginning where they were like evenly matched, and you could see like the story of the frustration between them building. Where it's like, okay, when is it finally going to boil over? And they just started just throwing haymakers at each other. Right. Well, it never really did. But they're trying to keep these two guys as, you know, I guess non-heels. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily baby faces, but definitely not trying to make villains out of them. So, and, and there's still a way you can do that where you can have two guys who are just frustrated that one cannot get one up over the other. And it just eventually boils over and they explode. Right. Well, to your point. Uh, with this win, Gresham does get one up over on him. So now I think the record uh, stands again. If you're not counting that, if you're not counting that, uh, if you're not counting that, what you call it, the the triple threat, then I think Gresham's up by one. Lara says the name like Speedball going to AEW would be dangerous. Yeah, nine days from tonight. Um. So yeah, so with 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 a with a friendly sort of resolution and handshake at the end of this, I guess it's just that Jonathan Gresham won the battle and the war, and that's it. There's nothing else to do because this is not for anything. It's not for a contendership. They both had their shot at Trey Miguel, and neither one of them won it. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, well, if you're not going to put a stake on this, then. Jonathan Gresham won. Let's move on. Yep, pretty much. All right. When this really, you could have actually built this towards another one of those pit fight matches. Yeah. 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 See, so, and, and 
you know, for Buckshot King and Labrador, I was saying tag team, tag team champs, midget tag team, whatever. But that's the thing. Like, if they were at a, if they were even, if they were dead even, um, maybe you could say that. Unless I'm just getting my math wrong, and there, I, th I thought Gr uh, Gresham's ahead, so they should have evened it up. If that's the case, right? If they wanted to go a tag team route, uh, and they've already done the tag team thing, you know, sort of, even though it was for a specific, you know, angle, but I don't know, man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And Liz is also pointing out, um, that, uh, uh, speedball is going to be out cause he's going to this best of super juniors tournament, which is going to take all month in new Japan. So he's not going to be around in any case. Maybe that's why they decided to just like, all right, let's put a bow on it with this and uh, send him off to Japan. Um, I guess. I don't know. Doesn't matter. We'll see. <laughs> Labras, tell me to make this make sense. I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. I can't mm -hmm. do it all. Uh, next is uh, um, Sammy Callahan asking Rich Swan for help. Can't do it alone. He needs Rich Swan's help. How has it been since we've seen Rich Swan on the show? It's been a little bit. I mean, now that his best friend uh, Josh Josh Alexander is off, you know, rehabbing, there's been no need for a Rich Swan. Or has there? I don't know. Well, what do you think of this? What do you think of Sammy Callahan, you know, asking Swan for help? Swan giving him a lecture about how he always gets himself into these situations. And then him, he's saying, like, are you going to help me or not? And then just walks away before Swan can answer. <laughs> I like, mean, at, at the very least, it made sense with their story and character. Or Callahan just like, well, he just completely ignores all of his valid points and goes, are you going to help me or not? And then walks away without an answer. <laughs> you gonna help me or not? Just text me the answer later. <laughs> okay, fine. You know, whatever. Um. All right. So they show that earlier during the break, uh, Bert Macklin wants Scott Demore to do something about something. I, I don't remember what his complaint was. I forget. During the match, Rhino speared him on the outside. He wants something to do something about that. Like that. This is. Here, here, they're booking Macklin like a little bitch. I'm sorry. He looks like a bitch. You hear that, Macklin? A bitch. And it's the booking. It's the booking. Like, like, why is a guy like Macklin complaining to management about a guy spearing him on the outside during the, during the middle of a match? Well, they will tell you because he's a heel. I, I need a little bit more than that. Just because you're a heel does that does. I'm sorry. I need I need more of a reason for why somebody would do that, especially a guy like Macklin, who is supposed to be have been in fucking Iraq. That's right. It's hot over there. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Um. I think. Um, okay, so the the logic here. If you're doing a if you're doing a traditional 
if you're looking at it from traditional heel psychology, a lot of what makes heels heels is the fact that people find them to be impressive in some fashion, whether it's athletically, skill-wise, um, size, whatever it is, and the fact that they shouldn't have to do the things that they do, but they do it anyway. So you look at Macklin, he's, like you said, a veteran. He's a, he's a rugged type of guy. He's always talking about military, and he's got this theme of being tough and a badass and all this other stuff. So you're like, okay. So when you see him complaining about shit that shouldn't even be complaining about, that's where the heat comes from. He's like, what are you complaining about? It's literally what you're saying. It's almost like, and I'm not saying this is the case, but just using it as an example, it's like you're getting worked by Macklin. Like, this is the reaction they expect you to have. Hey, you're supposed to be tough. Why are you acting like this? That is the heat. That's exactly the heat. That's entirely the psychology behind chicken shit, heel heat. Um, the issue comes in where, because uh, if, if Steve Macklin is a badass, why are you a heel? What's not to like? Well, here's a tough, here's a tough guy and he's the champion. Why don't I like him? He's not giving me a reason not to like him. So the reason is because he's a little bitch. That's why I don't like him. Um, what about so my counter to that is what about Frieza? He was a villain that he, he everybody was afraid of him because of the damage and how dangerous he was. But he used underhanded tactics. He had no problem killing women and children. Basically what made him just a heel was how ruthless and what a monster he was. Well, Japan books heels different. It's my counter to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Macklin can't be that, but at least in the pro wrestling uh, arena, you don't have the opportunity to kill women and children, so he can't do that. Um, well, I mean, like that. Like professional wrestling no, level I know. of heinousness, right? I'm just making a joke, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course you, you you could still do that. But I'm just I'm just saying I'm not saying I don't agree. I'm just saying that's where the psychology comes from. So it's one way to do it. Is it the right thing to do with this particular person? Probably not. I don't know. Um, it seems like, if I remember correctly. It seems like Macklin doesn't really use a lot of underhanded tactics within the match, at least not overly. Most of the matches he either wins or loses clean. Just, you know, eh. So he's not really taking advantage of that Frieza aspect like you're, you know, like you're suggesting. So maybe if he did some more of that, it would be different. But they're going with this instead. Um... You see this all the time, and it's classic psychology, but I think it applies to some characters better than others. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's up to them to, to worry about that. I don't even know at what level Steve Macklin thinks about this stuff. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if he goes home and thinks, I don't know if Impact's using me right, or... If these are his ideas, or I don't know, like if he just shows up and, like, hey, I'm just here to work, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what, to what degree he gets involved in his own stuff. So I can't say for sure. I can't put the blame on him, or or the company fully. But um, 
I can just tell you that that's probably what whoever's thinking that's booking this is thinking. They're like, all right, let's have him do the little bitch uh, heat instead of the, you know, tough guy that doesn't need to cheat but does it anyway heat. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, Scott Demore books him in a match with Rhino for his troubles. So that's what he's going to do about it uh, as far as, like, giving him some, you know, some retribution for what he's complaining about. And this was the instance, the one instance of the lighting, because they're shining a green light on the door that's in the background, uh, but the light is kind of obscured, so it kind of just makes it look like the door is green. But it's definitely artificial light, so they snuck one light in uh, just, to, just to mess with me. They're like, here's Moose, but you get no entrance, and uh, here's a light on the door. So... <laughs> You know, you, you take the compromises where you can. I'll accept this. I'll accept that you'd rather this door have been green for this scene instead of whatever color it was, probably brown or something. And you prefer green. Okay, fine. I'll 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 deal with that. It's acceptable. Um so yeah. There you go. And uh now we get to the main event, which is Trinity. Here's Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um and the announcers are really hyping this. The like the reaction from Tom and uh, Matt, right? Is his name Matt? Yeah, I forget. yeah, Ray Matthew. Walt. Matthew. Okay, yeah. The announce the the reaction from these guys couldn't have been much more energetic if Stone Cold Steve Austin walked through that door. <laughs> like they really were hyping it up, and they're both probably friends of hers because they both work with her, so they know her, you know, and they're probably very happy that she's there and. You know, they're they're trying to make this like a big deal for her, and it is, and they do. Um, and they but, should. Yeah, and, and there you go. And you can get a shirt at uh, shopimpact.com. <laughs> so, you know, if you feel like it's a big deal too, go get you a t-shirt. Um, so she, she's here, and uh, the first thing I'll say about her is while she's uh, lovely as usual, uh, I felt like her outfit was not really flattering. <laughs> it kind of made her look like a box. Like the top, the yeah. top part was like, it wasn't as, as tight and form fitting or whatever. Like it, it kind of made her look boxy and she had a skirt. So it just kind of, she kind of looked like a refrigerator box in there a little bit. Yeah. Like very like futuristic type of, type of attire. Yeah. Not a great outfit, but she did basically kind of have her similar entrance with the black lighting and the neon stuff. So she, you know, she's not really losing anything in the presentation here. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, maybe not the best, the best, uh, out, outfit for the, the debut. I, I don't think, but that's the thing. Like for something like this, I'm sure she had this specially made. Right. And what do we talk about? Like I've mentioned this several times, like when you get new gear made, a lot of times you don't have a chance to realize it doesn't fit quite right before you have to go out there. Cause I see so many people that have like brand new gear and they're like adjusting it like during the match. Cause they didn't, you know, it's one thing to try it on in the mirror. It's another thing to be out there in the ring and actually having a match. And then you're like, Oh shit, these pants are too loose. Like Shayna Baszler would be constantly pulling up her pants and, you know, just for an example and, and other things like that. So that, that was one of the reasons why whenever we had gear made, they'd have us like actually train and like rare during training sessions. We get used to it. Exactly. But then you also don't want to mess up your new gear. So you can see how it's, <laughs> it's always an issue, right? Like balancing you just, act. 
Yes, you just have to find the best gear you ever made and tell somebody, some seamstress, like, or seamster, whatever, uh, just, it's 2023, um, you just tell them, hey, make exactly this, but I need it this color now, or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess. I don't know what it is. But whatever, whatever, who cares? She's not having a match. All she's doing is standing out there. So, she's out there. She says um, that Impact is the most storied women's division of all time. And she wants a piece of it, which is, you know, okay, that's good reason. Um, she she name drops a bunch of people like Awesome Kong, Gail, Kim, you know, whatever. And she also says current people like Deanna and Jordan. And then Deanna comes out. She says, if you want to make history, this is the place to be. Uh, but she just walked into the new age of the virtuosa. And she says, and this was an interesting line. It was, it was a little clumsy. Cause I know they were trying to figure out how can we get this in? And I don't know if this worked, but, um, she, she tried to make it work, but it was, uh, she said, when you step in the ring with Deanna Parazzo, that's not something you can just walk out on. So she's making a reference to her leaving the WWE and, um, you know, when, and, uh, Trinity has a much better comeback when she says, when you step in the ring with me, you're going to wish you got fired again. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're, again, using real-world shit that the people probably don't know about. But, um, I mean, if you do know, if you know, you know. Uh, so there's that. And then before um, I can get too heated... Oh, go ahead, Brandon. I'd be very surprised if people watching this show didn't didn't know those stories. Right. Well, you got to be a special kind of fan to watch Impact, right? Like, <laughs> um, But... Um, Dude, I wonder. Okay, so speaking of that, sidebar. Do you think uh, how many how many old people, right? Do you think that just watch Access TV? Maybe they're watching like a, a concert or something. Maybe they're watching <laughs> they're watching some some concert, and then Impact comes on, and they're just like, oh, wrestling. I like that, and they watch Impact wrestling, and then they have no idea what's going on in the entire rest of the world of wrestling. Like, this is the only wrestling they know, and just because it comes on the channel they like to watch, they're like, oh, okay, all right, I see. I don't know what these ladies are talking about, but they seem pretty fired up. Like, like how many people in the world do you think are, that's the situation? Man, it had to be a minuscule number. Yeah, but they must exist, right? It's a non-zero number, right? It's bigger than zero, yes. Big, bigger than zero. All right. So, uh, anyway, before it gets too heated... Um, Jordan Grace interrupts and, uh, she says, you know, basically like, Hey, if you want to come back and challenge Deanna, that's great. But if you want to be the champion, you got to get in line. Cause I'm taking that title. So you're going to need to fight me for that. And whatever. And then Trinity says, you know, who, well, whoever's the champ after, uh, under siege, let's dance, which is a reference to her dancing. Cause she dances and that's it. There's your big debut. So what do you think of the big debut? I'm not going to lie. Like listening to that promo, it felt like I was pulled again. It could also have been the acoustics in the, in the, in the building too, but it, it felt like, like I got pulled back and having flashbacks, like all the, like just indie promos, the generic indie promos I've heard about. I'm here. I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to win the belt. I respect the people that have come here. Just, just the generic baby face. Here I am promo. Yes. That's it. And, and it also seemed like there was a, uh, like some dead air and a miscue. 
after uh, Gianna threw out the line about about walking out, and this felt a little awkward there, and it seemed like uh, Trinity had at least a little bit of wherewithal to kind of because it seemed like she kind of stumbled at that line out there about getting fired. Hmm. That's interesting because it's a tape show. So if this is the most that they could do with their editing. Maybe it was really even more awkward and worse live. But it, but at least it felt like she knew there was dead air and tried to cover it. Yeah. Or at least uh, it was going a little long and she had to kind of at least keep something going before they hit Jordan's music. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be impact without some audio cues and uh, <laughs> miscues and... Uh, some technical difficulties and other stuff, right? It's just uh, it's just what we're going to get. And maybe that had something to do with the canned commentary at the beginning. Like, perhaps they had, like, maybe they were doing live commentary and recording it, and they lost it all. So they had to go do a VO, you know, just for that match or, or, or several matches or something. Like, maybe that happened. It's impact, so you could believe it, right? Yeah, this is all speculation. We don't know. That's right. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, well, um, any other thoughts on, you know, so it was generic, like you said, uh, but I don't know what else you can really do for a character that's not, you know, like we said at the beginning. It's not like she's known for pipe bombs right. or promos at all. So it's not like saying live mic is going to be, some kind of a weird, like, oh, I can't believe, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Because what are we supposed to think will happen? We're supposed to think that she's just going to come in and do the standard promo and, you know, but you can't do much more than that for an introduction. I mean, you're not you're not going to come in and get a personal angle with any of these women she's never really had in, had been in the ring with or had a had an issue with. So you kind of have to. Um, especially when you're hyping it up as a main event of your show. Like if you're telling people that your main event is somebody coming out and talking, then I mean, they kind of have to do that generic address at the beginning. Right. Right. And why don't you go off the show of action too? Where was like, where were some heels come out and try to counter it? Where was Masha? We don't know. We don't know. Um, now, however, I am in in that one aspect. I am good with it because there's too much action in wrestling. I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but they're always trying to hot shot everything and give you the violence for free, and then want you to watch it and pay for it later. Like, especially if you watch AEW, like they're constantly guys getting in fights all the time, and then they just have a match. And it's like, I don't want to see. I already seen you guys fight. I don't want to see you guys wrestle. You know, you're giving away too much. So I like the fact that these women just build the anticipation verbally, even though, you know, like the verbiage wasn't the, you know, the the most fiery, but at least they got a couple of zingers in there, or some shoot lines or whatever. Um, so, I yeah, I'd much rather save the action for the scheduled action. There's just, God, there's so much like outside the ring brawls and bullshit and it's it's tiring especially if you watch all the programming across all the companies like i do you see it everywhere and they're killing the business so <sighs> it's refreshing if people can do a promo and not get into a fight 
Also, you know, especially in Impact, right, Brandon, that uh, if they do have some action, it's going to turn into a phony wrestling action where it's not going to be a fist fight. They're going to start Irish whipping each other and shit like that and doing spots and wrestling moves, right? So maybe it's better to avoid all that. And furthermore, with that uh, with that bad ring gear, I don't want to take a chance of any wardrobe malfunctions or anything else trying to happen. So for... Um, for Trinity's Impact debut, uh, through no fault of her own, I will give her a C plus, because um, you really just did a middle of the road thing. Um, but um, at least they didn't mess anything up too bad. So, eh. Nah. C C plus. If I'm being nice, personally, I like Trinity. Uh, I think she's had a lot to deal with. Not only all the bullshit that goes on. Where at her former job that she had to deal with that we don't even know about, but I'm sure was there because anybody that's been involved in that system, even peripherally like I was, hears about all these things and know about all these things. So I'm happy that she's out of there and she's doing good for herself. But also just the fact that um, she seems like a really nice person in terms of, you know, she was the only person on Total Divas that I didn't want to drive an ice pick through their skull. Uh, and she seemed like the voice of reason and she also has to put up with her fuck up of a husband who just keeps getting DUIs and everything like that. Um, Hey, you no, know, if Jay ends up turning baby face, you can always go to AEW and team with Jeff Hardy or Jimmy can. Yeah. Jimmy it's Jimmy. Jay's the good one. <laughs> Jay's the good one. Jimmy's the husband. Let's make sure everybody knows that. Um, yeah, poor, poor Jay. And, uh, I wonder how close Jay and Trinity have become as a family having to deal with their, <laughs> you know, like their guilt by association, heat by association. Like these two are innocent and don't really do anything or cause any problems. But this fucking guy, uh, you know, like, and I, I guess he hasn't had an incident in a while. So good for him. I hope he stays on the wagon and continues to be involved in these main event storylines and, and do well for himself. I don't really want to, I don't want to, you know, totally shit on Jimmy or John as his real name is. But, uh, at the same time you did drive drunk knowingly several times. So fuck you to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, so, so I think what I'm trying to say is C plus. Uh, <laughs> And I uh, hope I hope you give us a little bit higher than a C plus uh, for our show tonight on the Impact Attack. I uh, think we had a nice show, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, if you like to continue to enjoy more things from us, uh, where can they find you, Brandon? You can find me at on Twitter at Transarchist Tia, as well as on Twitch at Miss Tia the Transarchist, and of course every Monday night here on the Impact Attack on Hami Media Group YouTube channel. Whoop whoop. All right. How are those uh how are those drunken high raids going? They are going. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! They're going like J- J- Jimmy Uso in a, in a car in Florida. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah. Yeah, check that guys check that out on Twitch, man. It's a party. Unfortunately, uh, those are always during uh, hours in which I'm unavailable because I love to stop in, but it's just I'm just never able to. The first chance I get, 
um, I'm going to check in and see what it's all about. Uh, be sure of that. So, so yeah, there you go. That's where you can find Brandon. For me, you can find me. God, where can't you find me? You can find me at Opinion Haver on all your favorite social media platforms. That's for one. Um, so if you, for some reason, haven't followed me by now, go ahead. It's not too late. There's no uh, moratorium on following me. And uh, if you're on Hummy Media Group, channelattitude.com, whatever, you're probably very familiar with me from not only the Impact Attack, but from the Next Level Wrestling Review with Big Ray Hernandez every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. You've probably seen me on the Monday Locker Room recently uh, with Ben Hameen. Uh, you've probably seen me on... Um, you probably recently very seen uh, very recently seen me on a episode of what I record the uh, Rampage Uncaged. Jimmy T and I did a Rampage Uncaged that was just pre-recorded, uh, but that's available on channelattitude.com. You're probably gonna want to check that out because it was a good conversation. So even if you're not an AEW fan and you're a Channel Attitude subscriber, go check that one out. And also, speaking of the PWC, you might want to check out. The Monday Machismo Thursday edition, which I was recently on uh, with, with Jimmy T as well. So it's always a fun time talking to Jimmy. And then uh, you you probably, maybe you see me on Piers Austin shooting the shit uncensored. That episode is now available on YouTube or any of your favorite podcasting uh, listening platforms. So uh, check out Piers Austin, check out all that stuff and check out like a we did about an hour and a half interview, and so if you just can't get enough vet, that's another place that you can get some more vet content. We also had a great conversation there, and you're going to want to check out all the stuff that Piers Austin is doing because he's doing a great job over there uh, down under. Uh, so, yeah, you see me working with a lot of Australian guys. You know, that that's that's kind of a thing, uh, Piers and Jimmy. Um, what else is going on? Uh, wrestling with Rip Rogers every Friday uh, at uh, noon, except when it's not, which it usually isn't. So that's an ongoing rib. Um, you never know when I might pop in, so be aware of that at any time. There's a danger of Ed doing a run-in on Wrestling with Rip Rogers Q&A. So um, check that out. Uh, you've also got uh, you've also got to check out Stevie Richards because Stevie Richards is doing stuff. Um, he's putting up videos. He's showing his road to recovery. I'm sure a lot of you have probably seen by now. He did the from how it's from how it was to how it's going type thing where he's showing like his evolution from being in the hospital bed to using the walker to using the the crutches to using the the sand dune stepper and then he finishes off the video with him running on the fucking beach. Sun on the beach, Stevie Richards. Um yeah, dude such a great story so happy for stevie still putting out good content still reviewing leg press attachments you know just just doing stuff working out just going back to life as normal reacclimating. the big fitness show is back so check out the big fitness show or the most recent episode is talking about supplements so if you're ever curious to know more about supplements um they end up talking about it for a good while and uh there's something everybody can learn from that um, so Stevie Richards all the way and I think that's just about everything I have to put over so um, in saying that uh, for Brandon I'm the vet and I don't have a sign off line